Welcome to weekday worship. James is already <laughs> laughing. He's so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm giddy. I'm like a I'm like a giddy little schoolgirl. Was this was this uh, an exciting part of your day to day? Were you looking forward to this? Looking forward to this? My day to day. I've been looking forward to this for a month. I have too. I have too. I've, I've missed. Mi- uh, I've missed our times. I've missed my mic. I've missed. Uh, <laughs> I've missed getting to rag on you for an hour uh, a week. Yeah. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you. How was it? How was the how was the New Year's uh, week? Uh, I mean, the holidays were good. Everything went good. Uh, Betsy threw up, I think, on New Year's Eve. So that night was not like a party night of any kind. I, w- I was about to say, you probably should clarify that. It wasn't a, a rager. Oh, she went on a bender. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, she, of course, did not. I'm sure she'd love this, um, just right off the bat, <laughs> New Year. Yeah. No, she just, yeah, she got, uh, was not, she felt under the weather that day. She was back at 100% the next day. We So we did a massive, um, uh, per, if you you drove up here uh, to the, the studio, the weekday worship studios today, um, slash our basement, and you saw the big red dumpster out I there. I did see a dumpster yeah, out there. So all that 10 cubic yard dumpster that we filled up with just junk from our house that has been accumulated and in storage and then, you know, whatever. So uh, that was our New Year's Day celebration was we just got rid of a lot of stuff. Hmm. Um, so like we, did you see, you haven't seen my garage. You should see my garage. Wow, it's pristine. A little uh, installed home shelves here. and organizational kind of things for the garage. So that was really good. New year, then, new you, man. <laughs> that's it, man. <laughs> new year, new me. Uh, yeah, so we did a lot of uh, purging of things, and uh, it, our house will never be this orderly again, probably. Wow. Well, that's exciting. So, yeah. Speaking of, uh, how's yours? Oh, my, my New Year's? It was I fun. See, I see you've got a new, uh, some new technology, some wearable an, technology on your wrist over there. I got a smart watch. Smart watch. As the kids call it. What brand? Fitbit. A Fitbit smart watch. You didn't go iPhone. Or I, I didn't. I, I don't what, think I would use it well enough. I just wanted it to track some, was that of, a, some health stuff. Was that a Natalie gift? It or was. It was gift? That was from my sweet wife. Boy, from my being married to the, the breadwinner is a thing, isn't well, it? Well, so uh, Ryan Goldsmith. Had a girl, Natalie. Uh who you know, who is dating my sister. Shout out, Ryan. Yeah, I introduced him to oh, the wow. Lord. I don't know if I've ever heard he... you admit that publicly. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. <laughs> I introduced him to, to Jesus, and he introduces himself to my sister. I'm telling you, with yeah. friends like these. Yeah, sure. But uh, <laughs> but he was at our house for, for part of Christmas, and he and he looked over, he's like, man, you and Natalie got a lot of gifts for each other. I was like, dude, this is a sweet spot in life. Married with no kids. Yeah. And so, who do you buy for? Just your wife, and she buys for. I've for never you. experienced this sweet spot in life. Yeah, that's a. I guess that's just part of the burden you bear, my friend. Yeah, we were we were <laughs> laughing last night. We were watching. I can't remember what we were watching. Oh, we were watching a show, and it ended with uh, two ladies who were friends just laughing in a in a carriage as they were drinking, and and they were laughing and sort of. Uh, you know, they had had a terrible night or whatever, and so they were... And Betsy looked at me, and she's like, this is one of the things we missed out on. We never had this stage of life where we just got to hang out and laugh with friends and, like, <laughs> whatever. We went straight uh-huh. from, like, uh-huh. you know, we went into marriage, and we had kids uh, right out of the gate, and so, so yeah, I haven't experienced that. Anyway, Ryan, who's dating your sister, I just want to reiterate that, and then what What was the next part? 
<laughs> oh, if you can see the look on his face right now. I'm not upset about it. Okay. No, I don't, I don't think you are. Yeah. But th- but it's it's a funny thing. For you, I guess. It is funny for me. I guess you like it, that. Just the look on your you face comic is a funny thing. Relief. Anyway. So, yeah, so you got a lot of stuff for each other, not just a watch? Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we like to buy gifts for each other. You know, James, James has... Caleb is a very thoughtful He's both appreciated and made fun of my sensitive gift giving. I have greatly appreciated it, and I guess I have made fun I of it I enjoy buying bit. gifts for people. I enjoy yeah. buying sp- nice things, things that I know people will appreciate. At, at the risk of incurring some sort of blowback from this, like my favorite coffee mug to drink out of is a Trump mug. From Caleb, <laughs> and uh, so you know it's election to be more day specific, today. It is a a Trump pastor's mug. It is very specifically an affirming, yes, Trump pastor's mug. He's, he drank it this morning. Caleb was... gives really good, thoughtful, personalized gifts. I give gift cards. Yeah, I like when you give gift cards with with uh, with the sweet notes in them. I do write a nice note. Yeah, you write a nice I'll note. I write a nice note. That's t- it, it touched me, your, your note that you gave me. <laughs> I appreciate that. I didn't shed any tears, but, it, but it, it, it gave me a warm feeling in my heart. Warm fuzzy. New, hey, new year, new you. New year, new you. What a, what that's a the theme of today. Yes. That's what I'm going to title the episode. But I, I think that's a good, a good title. Um, that's great. Normally we finish the episode and then I have to sit here and rack my brain for what am I going to call it. There you go. Caleb right leaves that up to me. Now we already got it. But so it's really a new year, new episode, our seasons of weekday worship. This is season two? This is season two. So this is great. We're going with like the bachelor model of season numerology. Uh, we're not going like, you know, one long season. We're going short seasons. I'm just, I just like the word season. And so I'm I want to be really it. clear here. I don't watch The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about The Bachelor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For other reasons, but well, you might watch it. I, I don't have anything to I talk do, about. I do not I watch, watch it. it so. I do not watch it. Okay, but new season, and uh, we've got some season two. We, 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 we've got some things cooking. We've got some things coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we started this podcast with the goal of hopefully uh, taking the gospel beyond Sunday for our church and whoever wants to listen in a few different areas, doctrine, kind of. Uh, spirituality, culture, um, even practical kind of stuff. And uh, um, this year is going to be no different. We're going to try to do that as well. We're going to focus on some some other cultural issues and doctrinal issues. And uh, the, the more I think about these categories, I think they all overlap pretty regularly. And uh, so coming down the pipeline, we've got things like uh, we're going to do a, a segment starting actually next week on uh, what has been titled progressive Christianity or the concept of deconstructing your faith. Um, that's, a, that's a topic and an area that, um, that we've been thinking about a lot. We've definitely, I mean, it's a big, that's something we've talked about a lot personally we together, have, yeah. I think, over the last couple of years and have seen it both affect the, the evangelical culture at large and people that we know personally. Yep. Um, and so it's, a, it's a, an idea or a, or a, or a space of uh, where we see uh, parts of Christianity moving towards that I, I think are worth commenting on, not only for, for us to think through as Christians, but hopefully for people who are, are headed in that direction to consider our thoughts and hopefully uh, what we consider to be the Bible's thoughts on some of those Yeah, I was about to say, our, topics, thoughts, right? our thoughts are only about as helpful as the thoughts of progressive Christianity itself, but mm-hmm. 
but it would be really good for us to get a handle on God's thoughts about those yeah. things. So, I think that's so, so that's that's the direction we're moving for the next couple of weeks. And then we've got, who knows, I, I try to lay out tentative schedules for what we're going to talk about, but then it changes depending on what's going on. So I'm sure we'll, I'm sure there's, there'll be plenty that comes up this year for us to talk about. Probably. There um, was last year. For sure. <laughs> Um, but a lot of times our, our our podcast kind of flows from our sermon series um, in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. we'll be talking about all sorts of things. I, I know James is going to be preaching Micah. Is that oh, that's, yeah, spring. That's, that's in the Later spring. in the spring, um, yeah. so After, post-Easter. I'm sure we'll be dealing with issues of biblical justice. I will tell are, you, I was, I was reading and studying in Micah this morning even, and uh, boo, that's going to be good. Yeah, so uh, lots to come in terms of uh, Bible, culture, spirituality on the podcast uh, but wanted to start today with, I think, a topic that... <laughs> new year, of, new you. New like, year, new you dominates um, our Facebook timelines and uh, probably everything we read and listen to at the moment. And that's the idea of kind of the dawning of the new year, what comes along with that, things like resolutions and uh, kind of uh, excitement about a new year that things could change in your life or in the culture or externally. There's there's all sorts of kind of expectations, either high or low, that come with uh, the idea of the new year. And um, I know for me, the new year expectations always end up being uh, underwhelming uh, just a couple yeah. months in. And um, I think there's a lot that we can save ourselves from or, or, or prepare ourselves from in terms of a Christian worldview that, that gives a foundation for not uh, kind of riding on that roller coaster. But, but I want to I tell you this. I, I think this is, uh, this is, I was thinking about this the other day. We think about the new year and like the new year's resolutions and everybody's like, you know, kind of trying to kick it into high gear in terms of like kind of life hacks and self-help and all that kind of stuff starting uh, January 1st or 2nd or whatever. But doesn't the week between Christmas and January 1st feel like the laziest year of your life? Laziest week? Lazy, yeah, I said year. <laughs> the laziest week of your life. Yeah. I, I don't I know about you, but like year. that work, I mean, that week always just feels like I'm a couch potato. Like I, I, I just feel like, it, I feel like it, it becomes the week of just slothfulness. Which is a great catalyst into the the the, the new you. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. I, actually, no, it's not that I don't feel that way. <laughs> but you and I have different realities, right? We so do like have different that that week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm usually not working much, if at all, and I have a whole bunch of children with mm-hmm. unstructured time. Yeah. And we are in the post holiday fog, and so usually it involves things like what we did this week, which was like a lot of purging mm-hmm. and working and getting yeah, things yeah. done. And maybe some, you know, certainly we watch some football and basketball usually. And That just feels but, like a write-off week, though. It's definitely not a normal oh week. Oh, my gosh. It, well, it's the whole the whole month of December, frankly, for me is disorienting because mm-hmm. when you have seven, we have seven people in our home still, so with one of our sons having moved out. But it it's just, and we have little ones, right? So, uh <laughs> So that whole month when you've got school schedules off, work schedule is very different than usual. You've got all the holidays. You've got people coming in town, out of town, the different parties and celebrations. So anything that's a normal rhythm or pattern or the things that structure my life are all out the window really around Thanksgiving through the end of the year. And um, and I get I enjoy it for the first couple weeks maybe at some mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. I enjoy different aspects of it. But by the end... Like, 
I'm really anxious and kind of chomping at the bit and just sort of frazzled because it's like I haven't had any normal structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird time. It is a weird time. But then we're expected, boom, come January 1st or 2nd. Yeah. Usually, usually whatever that Monday the is. The treadmill. It's, you know, you got to have your life it. in order. <laughs> that was a shot. That was no shot. He no. said, he said, start CrossFit. your CrossFit. It, uh, well, one of us does CrossFit. I, I don't know why you take it personally. Yes, I do CrossFit. I have part of my life in order. CrossFit is life. No, I'm not, I'm not a culter. I'm not a CrossFit cult kind of person. Well, then you just kind of work out. You're not really a CrossFitter if it's not life. Just kind of work out. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I want to see you on the rower this year. On the rower? Yeah, dude, I'm a beast on the rower. Okay, that's that's one of James' resolutions to get back. He wants to be he wants to be in the world championship of rowing. Yeah, I, I've always had a sort of closet aspiration to be a, a known crew performer. I don't even know. I don't even know how to talk <laughs> yeah, about this. I'm not talking about in the boats. <laughs> I'm talking about the rowing machine. I don't, yeah. I, I just well, saw, like, I know one, that, one of the slothful things I did last week was I watched the World Championship of Rowing on the machine. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I, do it you feel like sports. I could compete? Am I, like, where no. am I at? No. Okay. No, you would, you'd be dead. I, this is actually one of the great disappointments of last year was uh, we we did in, in cooperation with... Um, you know, the cultural mandate, we got a Y membership in the month of January. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a family membership where they allowed for childcare and all that stuff built into it. So, but we could go in the evenings and Betsy and I could both exercise while the girls were, you know, playing in the area or whatever. And the boys would go play basketball. And it was like this awesome thing. So we enjoyed it for like a minute and a half and then COVID hit. And, um, and so while the Y is reopened and I can go back and work out now, there's no childcare and all that stuff. So like the convenience of all that. So yeah. uh, what started off in typical fashion as like, you know, burst of like workout exercise, start getting in shape and it quickly fizzled and um, I'm fat now. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> Sure. That was the story. That was the story. <laughs> but so, so let's talk about New Year's, like this idea, this whole culture of New Year's resolutions sure. and like new, new Year, New You. I like that. Um, I, I, I think there is some positives to discipline yourself into figuring that out. And I want to get to that. But, but just in terms of like these huge cultural expectations and then personal expectations we put on ourselves in this way, what's some negative sides to, this, to these ideas of like the calendar changes and therefore I, I'm like, I'm on to bigger and better things? Negative sides to it. Well, I think the, I mean, the, the very foundation of it all is just self-help and self-improvement, right? Yeah. And it's, it's this sudden sense of the calendar has turned over and now it's a good time to start new things, which I think just to be applauded, I think that's a really, Mm -hmm. like those rhythms I think are helpful and good. Um, But in many ways, all it does is it, 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 that culture preys upon our instincts towards, Self-reliance, self-sufficiency, um, which are anti-gospel instincts. Workspace satisfactions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, most of our stuff often result, revolves around diet, exercise, weight loss, maybe picking up a new habit, uh, you know, maybe maybe you have some goals about learning. or. In Christian circles, it, it, it usually involves more disciplined spiritual habits. 
for sure. Can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which, which by the way, um, you know, improving yourself or being a better version of you, let's say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's better than being a worse version of you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. So, like, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, you know, criticize that. And and it's, I mean, being a better person and a better you and healthier in whatever ways is always more desirable than stagnation or self-destruction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Here's here's some of mine just my cautions with this with these these ideas. Is it usually starts from a place of autonomy? Yeah. I think um this idea that um I can organize my life and and plan out my year uh, to create a better version of myself, and it is all on me. Mm -hmm. It's this. It's kind of this. This self-willed, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality, and uh, I don't find a lot of room in there, um, at least in the broader culture, for a reliance upon. Man, my next breath is not. I don't determine my next breath. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking of of, of James chapter four. 13 through 17. I was thinking of James chapter 4 too. I mean, this is... A, this is I this, actually wasn't. Were you? No. That could have been a, a prophetic moment yeah. that we just had. <laughs> I wasn't, but... A telepathy. Go ahead. I am now. Well, there you are. <laughs> I spoke it and you said... I'm late to the party, but I got there. You're late to the party. James chapter 4. Uh, I, I think this speaks directly into the idea of we can self-autonomously plan out our year to create this better version of ourselves and kind of uh, uh, move forward. This is what James says. Come now, you who say, this is verses 13 through 17 of chapter 4. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make, make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So I, I just find, I find this, that type of, uh, of, of thinking you can kind of uh, autonomously go about your year and plan it out in these extreme ways leaves little room for, for the sovereignty of God and mm -hmm. the fact that, man, I can make my plans. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I think we're in this culture, right? And that's, you know, organizing, disciplining ourselves, uh, engineering, architecting our lives. We have convinced ourselves that we are our best hope to solve all of our biggest problems. Yes. And, um, and so a little bit more grit, a little bit more structure, a little bit more accountability, uh, a little bit more clarity, um, a little more, yeah, a little more discipline, hard work, diligence on our part. And man, we're, it's just around the corner. Our self-ideal is just over uh, the horizon, right? And <laughs> what we mostly find out in the pattern of these New Year's resolutions is that um, we've mistaken the, 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 the edge of our next rut <laughs> for, the, yeah, for the horizon yeah, yeah. Yeah, of our, you sure. know, our best selves or whatever. For sure, and 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 part of this, I think, is a is a is a a big cultural mantra that I think a lot of us, 
even though if we were to say it out loud, we would disagree with it, but I think it infects our own thinking a lot, which is this idea of you determine for yourself who you are, mm-hmm. and then you go accomplishment, accomplish right. it, right? It's this, this idea of expressive individualism that uh, the ultimate goal in life is for you to look deep inside yourself, find out what those desires or, or who you tell yourself are, no matter mm-hmm. what anybody else says, and then pull them out and go achieve whatever it is, whatever it is you want to be. Right. Right? And we, on a, from a Christian doctrinal standpoint, would say that's, that's garbage. It's complete backwards. Right? Complete backwards. But I think it infects a lot of our thinking, yeah. because then we come, we reject that as a in the ethereal. But then in the practice, we come to the new year and we say, "Let me look in my inside myself, find some things that I want mm-hmm. inside myself, and then in order to uh, achieve some satisfaction, let me pull those out and go accomplish them." Mm-hmm. And we never accomplish them fully, and so we're always left feeling like my self identity is a failure, or. I mean, I I don't. We never accomplish it fully. I do think that some people are pretty good at this. Actually, oh yeah, right. Like, I, and what I mean by that is is not that you could you could achieve your goal, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't satisfy the itch that you wanted it to. Right. It and it might for a moment you might feel pretty good and pat yourself on the back, but inevitably that discontent and the I was talking about this on Sunday a little bit the 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 sort of insufficiency of even our our highest achievement towards our own self-ideal leaves us with a, a measure of emptiness, a measure of, uh, of non-enoughness. And so eventually, inevitably, that thing's coming back, and it's like, well, I've got to reach further. I've got to achieve more. I've got to go uh, further distance. Sorry about that. <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure why that came through on my computer, but it did. Apologies. Hopefully it's not That was a little real-time disruptive weekday worship moment. But I... Go ahead. Yeah. So I... um, Yeah. Inevitably, we're going to be left with the disappointment of even our best selves. Yeah. For sure. And and, and this... And a lot of times this comes out in the things that we, you know, we spend most of our time on. We we look at our career and we want to do better in our career. We look at our health and we want to do better in our health. We look at our... Our relationships, and we want to do better in our relationships. We're all, which are all good things, mm-hmm. but a lot of times the reason why we're digging down and putting those goals forward is because we find identity in them. Right, and, and that's enslaving. And that's part of what this whole idea of the New Year's resolution. We almost start usually in the wrong with the wrong. Um, it's the wrong starting point because the starting point is what do I want to improve about myself? Yeah, right. So it it starts with me centeredness, me dependency, and 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 sort of me idealism or whatever. And yeah, yeah. And and then we go, hey, God bless my pursuit of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I wonder how much we consulted God for His ambitions for our lives. Yeah. Um, for what He would like us to be pursuing. Yeah. Um, what it is He wants to do, and how it is that yeah. He would have us pursue those yeah. things. In our lives, yeah, and and so instead of going to the Lord and starting with Him and His Word and His wisdom and dependency upon Him, we're instead going. I want my agenda for my self enhancement, um, and then I want to ask God to to uh, put the wind of His Spirit behind that. Yeah, and that's just not a game God's Mm-mm. playing. <laughs> and I think more fundamentally. We don't start the year by resting in what God has already done in us and for yeah. us. 
Yeah. We don't rest in our justification that we have been made righteous, pure, and holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. And our identity is set. It is absolutely set in that. There's... We don't, we don't start the year with rest. We start immediately with work. And I don't yeah. think we can do work rightly until we've rested rightly in that fact of identity. Yeah. And then it, once we rest in identity of, of Christ's righteousness and atonement for our sins that makes us pure in the sight of a holy God, which is the identity that we all most desperately need. <laughs> well, it's I mean, the only one that holds. It's right? the only one that holds. Um, and we've talked about identity on, on the podcast before, mm-hmm. um, for sure. But when we're talking about identity, let's just be clear. What we're talking about is that which gives us our sense of value yes. and worth and yes. um, that, that, that which we derive a sense of ourselves from. Yeah. Right? And so when we talk about working for an identity, it's the inversion of the biblical kind of teaching on identities that, yeah. and, and really how God created us. So our, the, 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 the upside down nature of sin is that it causes us to work for and achieve mm-hmm. an identity, a worth yeah. for ourselves, for sure. whereas God's intent is to confer worth upon us yes. by his own grace and, and kindness and his yeah. own mercy upon us. So that from a place of, of that sense of worth, we can then go about our business and we can, yeah. without we can do real it. work. Right. We can do real work. We can do God's work. And we can now be freed from all of those things that we're working at being a part of our identity. And that they now become a part of God's work. There's this yeah. quote that I have been just been going back to more and more that I just love from a book that we read together Tim Keller's Making Sense of God mm. um, on this particular topic when he talks about finding this identity and resting in Christ's identity instead of these, whether it be resolutions or goals or career or family or all these things that we just enslave ourselves to. He says, once you put that to death and you find this identity in Christ, this value in Christ through what he has done on the Christ, this is what what Tim Keller says uh, can happen to those other pursuits. He says, now, for example, you pursue a career not to get a self and achieve self-worth, You do it to serve God and the common good. Your work is still a part of your identity, as are your family, your nationality, and so on, but they are all relieved of the terrible burden of being the ultimate source of yourself and value. They no longer can distort your life as they do when they are forced into that role. Work is no longer something you use desperately to feel good about yourself. It becomes just another good gift from God that you can use to serve others. That's freedom to me. Yeah. And that is, that's where I want to be. I'm not there all the time, but that's where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's important to recognize what we're, what he's saying and what we're saying is not that who you are in relation to, like what you do doesn't matter. Yeah, no, we're not saying that at all. Or the kind of husband or father you are, if you're, you know, that doesn't matter. Or the kind of employee you are, like those things all carry significance and all are part of the composite self that is you. But we're saying that the starting place, the rootedness, the the groundedness cannot be, uh, well, it's unsustainable in terms of having a healthy sense of identity to build that upon your performance because inevitably what happens is then every day you're starting at zero. 
and you have to achieve again today because whatever you did tomorrow or yesterday doesn't really matter anymore. It's about what have you done for me lately. Yeah. And that's where we ride those ebbs and flows, those emotional highs and lows where we feel really good about ourselves on the basis of, um, of what we've done today or we feel really yeah. bad about ourselves on the basis sure. of what we've done. For and, sure. Um, and that's just a, that's a cruel taskmaster. Yes, it is. It's a whiplash. I remember a, a story... I think I first heard this told by uh, a pastor in uh, Louisville named Daniel Montgomery, and um, he he gave the example of um, essentially two contending two, two uh, days that were kind of opposite. And he gives the example of the first day. He said, "You wake up in the morning and you overslept your alarm clock and." Um, you know, so you start frazzled and you didn't get your devotional time. You didn't get your prayer time in. You, you kind of start irritated and agitated. So you're hurrying to get ready for work and you're kind of snapping at your wife and your kids. And, and, you know, you kind of go into work disoriented and, and some things kind of go haywire that day. And, you know, let's say for me, like I'm a pastor, so I go to meetings and I, I'm kind of, you know, impatient with the people that I interact with. Uh, I, I, I'm undisciplined in maybe my study and, and unproductive. I, I feel the disorganized sort of disheveledness of that late start. And, and in my frustration with that, I, I, I get kind of agitated. And, um, you know, by the time I'm coming home, I'm, I'm sort of exhausted and, and, and uh, maybe a little frustrated. And I come in from, from work and the kids are going a little nuts and, and dinner's not ready. And so I kind of snap at my wife and I'm, I'm irritated with my children and kind of condescending and not, not, not helpfully disciplining, but more lecturing and getting Mm -hmm. angry at. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the whole night just kind of goes this way. Right. And so you get to the end of the day and you lay down at the end of the day and you're, you're in bed and it's quiet and you just go, you know, uh, I did not like, God, I was, today was, a. I just blew it. I hate like, I, I, you know, you're just frustrated and you're, and, yeah. you, and you're like, uh, help me do better tomorrow. Yeah. God. I'm a failure. Today. Right. Yeah. And then you wake up the next day, actually before the alarm goes off, that alarm is set for 545 devotional. And I mean, I woke up all on my own at 528 Yeah. and I hop out of bed and I've got a little bounce in my step and yeah. I, I go in and I have some time with my Bible and my journal and. I'm full of gratitude. This, like, I'm even journaling about how great my wife is and how great my kids are and how great my life is. And I'm just, I'm just thankful and everything's good. And wife wakes up and I pour her a cup of coffee and kids wake up and I have a good prayer time with them and encourage them for their day, get their lunches ready, off to school, little guys. And, and then you go to work and, you know, you, you kill it. Like I'd kill ministry that day. Like I mm-hmm. write a sermon in like the morning and yeah. I'm done. And then I have a lunch appointment with somebody who I just encouraged the heck out of. And, mm-hmm. and man, even like at lunch, the waitress comes up to me and she even like, we're talking and, and I even asked her if I could pray for her. You slipped in a little evangelism. Yes. Yeah, sl- <laughs> and, and, and then she said, well, you come in here all the time and I didn't even know you were a pastor. And I'm kind of like, well, that's, you know, I'm that kind of pastor who doesn't seem like a pastor, which makes me super cool. And I feel pretty good about myself. And she's like, do you do and, a podcast? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, actually we do. Um, and so you go through the rest of the day and, you know, you pump out some emails and you feel really good about yourself. And I come home and I'm in this great place and I come home and I'm like, honey, great to see you. How can I serve you? What can I do to help? And I play with the kids and homework and we do the whole thing and grid time together in the evening. And I lay down in bed and I'm like, ah, thank you, Lord, for letting me, mm-hmm. you know, have such a great day. Thank yeah. you for helping me. 
and, and the question kind of presenting these two pictures in back-to-back days, he, pre- he presented as which of these days was better? Mm-hmm. Which of these days was a success? Yeah. And the, the sort of jolt comes when you go, it's very likely impossible that both days were an abomination before the Lord. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because in both days... I'm leaning in entirely to myself and my performance to establish who I am yes. and what's good and what's bad. 100%. And I'm self-reliant. That's the roller coaster we all live on. Right. And that's just a really helpful picture for me because mm-hmm. I've lived those two realities like yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, um, and so the, the, where, where the Lord is leading us to is this place of anchored in Him so that we could start and end and go through every day with a sense of... Um, not that we want to be our worst selves. Again, you know, asking for the Lord's help to be these, this kind of person yeah. that I need to be, but recognizing God, thank you at the end of that first day. Thank you that today doesn't define me. Yeah, for sure. I failed today. Yeah. But thank you that you you love me even in that place, that you yeah. have accepted me, not on the basis of what I've done, but on the basis of what Christ has done for me. And so um, as I go to bed, you are the one who doesn't slumber. Would you renew me? Would you forgive me? Would you help me to rest and wake up tomorrow remembering that it's your love and grace and your mercy and your glory upon me that by, you know, through my identification with Christ, that that's who I am. That's where I derive my sense of worth. And so I can be as successful or, or failed within a given day in terms of my performance and not ride the wave. Yeah, for sure. So I guess what we're saying is, Maybe our biggest goal this year should be not to continually find how we reinvent ourselves, but rather how we find out who we already are in Christ mm. and live from that place, really which actually enhances all of the ways in which God's calling us to go out and achieve certain things. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that's that's where I want to live. Yeah, um, because what you just described is is where it's where I live, man. I mean, it's where I live. It's either a chalk up the data good or bad based on what you did yeah. and um, that's one it's not fully embracing the what God has done for me in Christ but it's also weakening my ability to serve him amongst the people who he's called me to serve yeah and 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 it concedes the point that I'm going to have bad days mm-hmm. like I, I think we need to be so what you're talking about is what if our aim, and we can have other aims alongside this, but what if our core aim was to be more daily and moment by moment aware of the fixedness of my position in Christ before the Father? Yeah. Um, so that I'm I'm not driven by the 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 you know the failure and success of my moment by moment kind of living, and and so I'm I'm learning to lean into the finished work of Christ for my fixed standing. Mm -hmm. And then I labor at being, you know, the best follower of Jesus I can be in all these other spheres of life, but it's rooted in that. Yes. Yeah. I I, I think that that is an anchor that allows us to actually live life without falling off a roller coaster by February. (laughs) You know, I really think that's where, that's where we ought to live. Okay. So let's, uh, let's apply this or think through this to a very practical uh, idea or, or situation that for Christians we all find ourselves in every year. It, it, it may you may not find it in January, but you find it. I think seri- people Christians who are who are serious about the Lord. Um, 
I would say if you're not serious about the Lord, I don't think you're a Christian. But um, uh, that we all find ourselves in well, wherever, whenever you start this. And, it, and it's the idea of, of Bible reading plans or, or hmm. our Bible reading, how we structure Bible reading. This always comes up. You see, I mean, you see it all over Christian media around this time of kind of setting a plan for Bible reading, setting a plan for how you're going to do devotions, even prayer this year. And um, again, I think sometimes these mentalities that we're talking about creep into our Bible study. Here's here's how it goes usually. I've seen this happen, whether it be myself or others, is uh, we, we find some sort of extravagant Bible reading plan that we're committing ourselves to that's probably beyond where our capacity actually is, or maybe maybe not. Um, and uh, we're, we're all excited about it. And uh, by about March, we're days behind somewhere, and uh, we're, we're failing at keeping up in some way in those devotional aspects of life. And we chalk the year up to, wow, I'm a spiritual failure this year. Yeah. I, I I've I've been blew, there. Done that. I blew another year of my life for yeah. the Lord because I didn't achieve this quantified time in the Bible each day. Yeah. And that's especially like if you do, let's say, a one year Bible reading plan. Yeah. Where inevitably March is like Leviticus, right? Yeah. And so you hit that you hit that stretch and you're not even sure how to make sure of you don't even want to read about another animal sacrifice and you know all these things you just yeah. frankly you get bored with it yeah. and you get worn out on it and you're trying to read two and a half chapters a day or three chapters a day mm-hmm. something like that yeah. if you're doing the whole bible in a year and yeah. I'm not discouraging the plan I'm just going it mm-hmm. is ambitious yeah um, and it can be a little overwhelming and because we we tie so much of our our identity into what we do we chalk up our spirit our our reading inadequacies to our, our spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it be, and then it hinders us from actually getting out of the Bible what we need to fix those inadequacies. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And and it's a cycle, man, and I see it so Well, and all of a sudden much. the Bible becomes the cruel taskmaster that, in a sense, right? Yes. The, the, the one accusing us. And yes. I, yeah, it can be defeating. Yeah, and, and our solution is not, wow, just if you don't read the Bible this year, so what? God still loves you. That is not what we are saying, right? God hates you if you don't read the Bible. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but that, so that's not the solution that we're right. providing. But but I think it's a real sobering uh, thing that we need to own up to because mm-hmm. so much of our our I think even Christian media plasters these ideas on us, and we're expected to have these sort of just euphoric. Um, 30-minute experiences in the Bible every single day. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's exhausting. Oh, and, so, yeah. and so obviously we've already talked about how I, I would even say Bible reading does not find your, your status before God. No, it doesn't. Uh, not but, at all. but So where do we go with this? Because the, the solution that we said is not to, it doesn't matter if you read the Bible or not, yeah. or how you structure your devotions. Where do you think we go yeah, with I this? Yeah, I think, just to be clear, I think having a, a Bible reading plan... Um, could be maybe the most important thing you do for yourself this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so, I'm, I'm 40 now, as we've made a thing of here on weekday worship. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that the Word of God as our daily bread is, is non-optional to living a healthy Christian life. And so, so I'm, I'm, I would emphatically urge you 
and it's not too late even now, right? I mean, we're recording yeah. this on July, January 5th. It's not too late today. It's not too late next week. It's not too late at any time to start reading your Bible. There's no, there's no magical formula to the plan you come up with. So, but, but I do, my, my um, experience is that not having a plan is the biggest cause of not reading the Bible regularly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you have no plan, it's like that's, yeah. you come to it and you're like, hey, I don't know. Like what, I'll open it up to here this day. And um, that's another thing we've talked about, I think on here before. So I put together a plan for myself and I'll say this, I, I will post this in the show notes, um, uh, just a PDF It's uh, yeah. of a plan. I have a five day a week devotional plan. Um, that way, if you miss a day, you're not you're not buried, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I try to do them in manageable ways, and I'll, but I'll be honest, it's not like a continuity. Like there's certain things that I go into the year for me that I want to study. But here's the deal. The entire Bible is helpful. Yeah. The entire scripture is profitable for us. So it doesn't matter in a sense what you read of the scriptures as long as you're reading and taking in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And I think it's most helpful to do so in, a, in, a, in an intentional, systematic way. And so I go through books of the Bible. And so, but there's certain things that I, and I try to mix up Old and New Testament. So like there's things that I want to study personally this year. So I'm reading uh, through uh, these couple of weeks with knowing that I'm going to be preaching through Micah in mm -hmm. several months. I'm just reading devotionally through Micah a couple of yeah. times. Um, and so I'll be doing that for the first couple weeks of the year. It's seven chapters, so I'm just reading through it um, uh, two different times over the next over the first couple weeks. And then I'm going to spend m probably a couple months reading through Revelation, um, the eschatology, and the He's book of Revelation. He's going to preach Revelation. No, folks. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but but I am. Uh, it's an underdeveloped area of my study in theology that I want to give myself to this year. So I have a number of books that I intend to read through yeah. related to Revelation. But I want to start by just immersing myself in the book of Revelation yeah. and just reading the text and, and being familiar with it. And so, so that's in my plan. Uh, you can't read Revelation without uh, having some sense of the Old Testament, which is why I'm reading some of the prophets. Mm -hmm. So I'll be reading through Daniel and Ezekiel because there's a lot of those things yeah. in apocalyptic literature that relate to Revelation. So that's how I, those are some of the things that played into yeah. how I put together my Bible reading plan. Yeah. Um, you don't have to use mine, but it's one. And I've had a, I've got a Bible reading plan for each of the last, I don't know, eight years probably that follows this exact same model where I just lay out the schedule for my year. Yeah. And so I would say, find, like if you don't like my plan for this year, you want to see one of my other plans, I'll do that. Like I'll send you any one because it's just laid out in week one, week two. So I have 52 yeah. weeks and I have five days a week that I have a reading plan for. So that's one thing you can do. But the important thing is have a plan of attack. And yeah. And if you miss a day, don't be like buried under it. It's yeah. like just pick there it up the next no day. There's no law in the Bible that says, wow, if you missed your 15 minutes a day, it's all over. Start yeah. over. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So here's yeah. a couple of things for me that I that that I, I think help me not buy into that kind of cult of of legalism in terms of Bible reading. One is I don't I'm I'm st I'm st there's probably some some somebody that's written on this. But I have just yet to find when did it start that if you didn't get 15 to 30 minutes a day in the scriptures that you were somehow spiritually inept. inept. <laughs> I don't right? know. I just don't know when that started. No. And here's what it does to people is they think, I have to tick this box yeah. of certain amount of minutes every day or I'm, or I'm falling behind. And what that creates is quantity, not quality. Right. 
It, because what we do, what we do is we've got to get it in. So I rush through the Bible and read snippets, right, for 15 minutes in the morning and move on and think, got that over. We put that burden of ticking the box on ourselves, which relieves us from actually what's life-giving, which is not ticking the box, but actually digesting the food. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to tell you this right now. Free yourself from the idea that you are somehow a bad Christian if you don't tick a box. Like, I just think that is just debilitating. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I, I'll say this, and this is just a personal opinion. I think if, if you were to look at somebody's week, someone who rushed through 15 minutes a day of Bible reading in the morning just so they could say they read their Bible in the morning and move on, compared to someone who is, has a lot more busier than I, that has kids at home, that has a job, that has all these responsibilities, and maybe didn't get to Bible every day, but stopped in the middle of their week and took a prolonged period of time to really say, God, help me, help me find this word. And they spent a while in the scriptures actually digesting it. Maybe it's only for two hours a week, wherever they can fit that in. I think they're, they're in a better place than that person who rushes through 15 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're not living in the cycle of, I've got to tick this off like I ticked off my CrossFit class in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would say that I think is helpful is, Again, I think our Christian culture puts these expectations on us that we're all supposed to have this euphoric, shed-a-tear moment every time we open the Bible in the morning with a candle, a coffee, and a journal, and then we're supposed to post a little photo about how we you know, had this just incredible insight in the Scriptures this morning, wherever that was. Mm-hmm. And I think that sets us up to, one, skip a lot of the Bible and only look for parts that we feel like are going to scratch that itch, yeah. and it makes us um, feel like we're a failure when we don't have those moments. Yeah. And here, here, here's what I would say, and I, 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 read, I read Tim Challies, I read, he wrote this, this idea years ago, and it just, it just clicked. It was awesome. He, he talked about this, that, that kind of cycle of thinking you have to have these moments, and he's like, I promise you, whatever part of the Bible you're reading, even if it doesn't hit you in the day, if you, even if you don't feel like you got a thing out of that this morning, the idea of week after week in wrapping yourself in the worldview mm-hmm. of Scripture has unknown effects about how it's changed in the way you think, Absolutely. live, and act Absolutely. over and time over time. It's like, it's like uh, we've talked about this before. It's like going to the gym. I don't go to the gym, and one day you, know, you, you, get a, you, get, you feel like you're just amazing, but if you go week after week and... You, you, you maybe see somebody you hadn't seen in two years, and they say, wow, you've lost a ton of weight. You look great. It's like you can't see that because you see yourself every day, and you see these slow changes. But right. that person around you is like, holy crap, there's a, a bunch of change in you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens with the scriptures if we just wrap ourselves in the worldview, not looking for these incredible moments, because I think those will come. But if that's what we're searching for, we're searching for spiritual highs, not biblical worldview yeah. changing our thinking. My experience is they do come for sure, but... That's not the normal, like, daily, like, experience. But I, uh, 100%, this is, you're so right about this, that it, we cannot look at this as a microwaved sort of improvement to our lives or whatever. We have, like, the dis- it's, it's a 
there's this discipline component. One hundred percent. I mean, there's times where I mean, I read the Word of God daily for out of desperation most of the time because I need it. Mm-hmm. But there are times where man, it's not connecting the same way. There's times where I'm in a, maybe a darker emotional place, and and it's and so what I do, what I try to do in that time is just keep doing what I know I need to do yeah. in terms of keep opening the Word, keep eating, you keep coming to right? the well. Um, yeah, and and so man, just like. You know, there are some days where <laughs> in a diet similar to exercise, like you might you might not love the broccoli, but, you know, it, it's better to eat some broccoli <laughs> mm-hmm. than just, you know, sour Skittles. And so we, but it's day, it's the daily thing uh, that shapes us. And um, I want to, I, I, I want to throw this out there. There's a little book that um, uh, we're, we're, we're starting this year, uh, a, a discipling cohort with a number of guys in the church. And I had them start this year by reading before our first meeting next week, a book, a little book by Matt Smethurst called uh, Before You Open Your Bible. Um, and it's about posture of heart as we approach the word of God. Um, and so what I'll do here is uh, I'll offer the first, how many should we give away? I don't buy them, so. Well, I've I've got as many as let's say eight. Let's say the first five. Okay. First five people to text me after listening to this, I'll give you a copy of uh, of before you yeah. open your Bible. It's a tiny little book. It's a tiny it's little a, book. You yeah. can read it in one sitting if you yes, wanted to. You could. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I know some people in that group already who've read that book, and they're like, yeah. "Hey, I don't like to read, and I just read this book like yeah. super quick." So, Dad, if you're um, listening, I bought you this book a few months back. I don't um, know if you've listened to it, but my <laughs> pastor's telling you that you should read it. Yeah, so. read it. Um, so uh, anyway. I, it's a five dollar book, so if mm-hmm. you don't, if you're not one of the five people who calls and gets a free copy, just go on Amazon and buy it. And and I think that book's Ten really helpful. Those. That book's really helpful to, uh, um, to shaping you know how you might approach the scriptures. But, um, but yeah, I think this is the most helpful thing you can do for yourself this year is to yeah uh, have a plan and go after it. And if you miss a day, miss a week, whatever, um, it, fine. Just yeah. <laughs> if you if you haven't eaten for a week, it's still good to wake up tomorrow and have a meal. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and just as we end here, I think a lot of times, again, with the spirit of autonomy, we walk into Bible reading and we think the plan's going to solve this for me. The the structure's going to solve this for me. My my want to read the scriptures. A place where we need to start is our own heart and asking God to change our desire that the Word would become precious to us, that it would mm-hmm. become a treasure to us, because you can have all the structure and plan if you want, but if your heart is dull to the Scriptures being the Word of God mm-hmm. and being your source of life and trust, I don't care what kind of structure you put in, it is going to be a slog. Yeah. And we need God, and this is this is part of, I think, our where we would put ourselves theologically, we need God to change our desires yes. and, um, and, and, our, and our wants yeah. and our needs in our own hearts so that we want His Word. That's how sinful we yeah, are. Yeah, so you might approach the Word with a simple admission of, God, I don't even want to open this and read it. I don't, I'm not even convinced it's going to be good or helpful for me. Yeah. But I come to it because it's your Word, and so help me. Yeah. Just something simple yeah. like that. Let's admit where we're really at. God's okay with that. And then yeah. let's invite him to minister to us. And then I, I will add this. I should have said this earlier. The other thing is if you can have a reading plan and and a friend, a brother or sister who's yeah, going to engage sure. that reading plan as well, yeah. personal Bible reading is really important. But Pretty personal Bible too. reading <laughs> that's with other people where you yeah. can actually... Because look, I'll tell you right now, if you pick up Micah like is on my reading plan right now and you have nobody to flesh that out with... Mm-hmm. 
um, it may not land very much yeah, yeah. if you try to. So there's a lot of Bible reading that that it you know it's helpful to have other people who are going through it with you. There's yeah. some accountability, some encouragement, and the rhythm of people. the church for the last two thousand years. Right. Yeah. So so read it personally, but read in community. Mm-hmm. Those are those are really important yeah. ideas. So. so let's end here, James. Will you just pray one for what we talked mm-hmm. about early earlier, which is starting the year with a rest in our identity in Christ and, and then working from that place. But then into this area that can become exactly where we don't want to fall into, where the Bible becoming legalism, but actually becoming yeah. the bread of life to us this year. Yeah. For our people, for our listeners, for our church. Yeah. So, Father, we, uh, we thank you for your grace upon us. We thank you that it was always your intention in creating humanity to, um, I mean, from the very first, Lord, when you made Adam, you gave him an identity, and then you entrusted him with work to do. You didn't create him and go, hey, do these things so that. And, uh, and so, Lord, we have followed him into trying to build for ourselves an identity and a sense of worth and value, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of self-reliance, and um, we want to be... Um, we want to be the ones who establish who we are and on our terms and for our glory. And so we admit that we confess it openly. It's chronic and pathological to every one of us. Would you forgive us for it? And would you free us from it? Even as we talked on Sunday about this confession and, and, and appeal to you of repentance that says, take away our iniquity. Lord, we're not just asking you to forgive us or overlook it or, or release us from the consequences of it. We're asking you to release us from the hold of it so that we might find who we are anchored in your finished work, in your undeserved love, in your um, unmerited grace and favor towards us. And so, Lord, we thank you that Jesus came to save us at our worst. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. And so we, uh, Lord, can put confidence in who we are in him, and we can work from this place of acceptance, this place of security, a place of welcome and belonging to the living God. And I pray that, Lord, this year we would stay in that low place and we would allow uh, you to animate our efforts from there. And, Lord, secondly, we pray in particular about our engagement with your word this year. It's the, Jesus says, it's the spirit who gives life and the flesh is no help at all. Meaning we need you to act upon us. We cannot jumpstart ourselves. And then he goes on to say, my word is spirit and life. And so we pray, Lord, that we would come into contact with the living power of the word of God this year. Would you help us not just to resolve or re, uh, in, in a resolution kind of way that like we talked about to read the word more, but we just pray that you would take us into your word, that you would reveal mysteries to us from your word, that you would uh, enliven us to your word, that you would excite us about your word, that you would help us to um, not just have a discipline, but an actual desire for your word and that we would actually immerse ourselves in the scriptures this year, that we would find ourselves beginning to think more biblically and uh, more um, truthfully about the way, uh, about ourselves, about the way the world works, about you, uh, 
So would you just take us deeper this year through your word, help us to know you more, love you more, cherish you more, follow you and obey you more fully than ever before. Um, Free us from uh, the Bible as a chore and take us into the Bible as encounter with God. We pray this for our own good, but ultimately for your glory upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope and pray that you would find rest in Christ through his word this year, and uh, we'll see you next week.